the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know what I recognized in the faith journey we're on? Some of us are just thermometers. We just look like whatever crowd we're around. Our temperature, what we are. I mean, if I'm with the church crowd, then I'm, I'm hot for Jesus. If I'm with the Saturday night crowd, I'm, I might not be. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. To submit to His way was an act of surrender and a submission of control. So that's why in verse 4 he puts it this way. Look, look, you're coming to Christ. <laughs> it's like he's reminding them. You're, hey, 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 hey. You're coming to Christ. He's the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And then notice this. I, I want you, as I read, every time it tells what you are, if I had my Bible in front of me in a pen and something I could write with, I would just underline every time it says something I am supposed to be. And I'll hint it to you. I'll, I'll make it a little louder in my voice. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifice that please God. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor that God's given him, but those who reject him, the stone that builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is a stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word and they meet fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. Remember, we're different. And then notice this. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. What is he saying? Remember what this is all about. You're coming to Christ. What he's really saying is you're on this journey of sanctification. There's only one goal for you on this side of heaven. And it's not to go to church more, though I think that's very helpful. It's not to pray more, though you're crazy if you don't tune into God with prayer. Your goal is to be transformed into the image of Christ. You're coming to him. You're becoming like Christ. That's what the word Christian means. You know, the word Christian is not in the Bible very many times, just a handful of times. And the first time it was used, the book of Acts tells us was in Antioch. And they were first called Christians in a derogatory way because they said, look at them. They're like the little Jesuses. They're like the little Christ. They think they're like Christ. That's how you're supposed to be identified. That's not how we're identified. I'm just telling you, that's not how we're identified. 
And and part of the problem is we struggle. We're so stinking insecure. And my tribe, preacher types, I'm just telling you, we're the worst. Many of my pastor friends were so insecure. And so what does that lead us to do? Whether you're a pastor or whatever you do, what does that lead us to be if we're insecure? We try to be like somebody else. We try to be something we're not. And so that's why God's word takes such effort to tell us, no, 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 listen, this is who you are. You're on your way to becoming like Christ. Don't ever forget who you are. That's your goal. It's all about Jesus. And then he gives us some specific example. He says, you're living stones. Now, he doesn't want us to get too big because he then takes kind of a time out. Parenthetically, Peter says, now, by the way, you're living stones. And they would have understood that. They would have understood how important. I mean, we think little rocks when we think stones. When they heard you're living stones, they're thinking about these big old blocks that would be a part of these magnificent structures, the temples, a foundational part of what was being built. Uh, and he says, so he says, you, all of you who follow Christ, you're like this big building. And every one of you are living stones. You're a part of that. But then he says, parenthetically, hey, but just remember, you're not the cornerstone. (laughs) Jesus is the cornerstone. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. And and then he even tells us, hey, and and that cornerstone, not everybody liked him. So they're probably not all going to like you. You can see in a minute, he went through some tough times. So you might go through some tough times. But you're, you're a living stone. You know what that should do for you and me? That should give you purpose. You were created for purpose, on purpose. The question is, are you living on purpose? Are you a living stone? But then he says, you see the next one? What was the next one? Chosen people. You're chosen. You know, this is good news. You're not standing on the playground of eternity hoping the captain chooses you. You have already been chosen. In fact, whether or not you've chosen to follow him, I believe this with all my heart. God of the universe has chosen you to be a part of his family. You're chosen. That that should give you a sense of acceptance. You're not waiting to be accepted. Nothing you do or or nothing you've done could cause God not to accept you. And then he says, you're my royal priests. Now, what did a priest do? Don't miss this. A priest went right right to God. And so that's why in, in our faith tradition, we have a very important doctrine called the priesthood of every believer. You, you don't need me to go to God. You can go directly to him through Jesus. That's what Hebrews says. Jesus has become the great high priest that allows you to enter into the presence of the Almighty. Again, reading through the Old Testament, you would see that when people, even if it says an angel of the Lord appeared, when people realized they had come in contact with an angel of the Lord, you know what every one of them always said? They would always run back, fall on their face and say, we're going to die because we've seen God. Because only the priest could go into the presence of God. But because of Jesus, this is what God's word calls you if you're a child of God. You are a, you are a royal priesthood. You can go to God and he expects you to do two things. It's what priests do. You, you represent the people to God. So when you go to God, you're, you're praying for and you're taking the people in your little corner of the world to him. But then also, you're representing God to the people. 
So that's part of that saying no to the right things. You, you recognize, hey, this isn't about your salvation, but because of the process of your sanctification, you, you need to live a certain way if, if you're going to represent God to the people. And then he says, you're a holy nation. Now, they would get this more than us. Now, some of us may think we understand this because we sing God bless America and we think, bless God America. Boy, it's wonderful to be a part of this great nation. And yeah, I'm so thankful that we are. But we, we don't understand this the way Jewish people would have. Because they were what? The chosen nation, right? And so again, just read through the Bible, read through the Old Testament. You'll find out that, I mean, the chosen people, they were crazy. They did some weird stuff. But if you mess with them, I think I can say that it, it ticked God off. And, and he would get angry. And so, listen, so Peter's saying, you are a chosen nation. And they're thinking, wait, whoa, whoa, I thought Israel was the, no, no, no. He's saying, if you've got access to God, you've got all the identity you need. And then if there's any more doubt, he says, you're God's possession. It's as if all of us who are followers of Jesus have a tattoo on our forehead that says mine. God has claimed us as his. And, and that speaks to our loyalty. So what do we do? If I understand who I am, who I'm becoming, if I seek to illustrate that in my life, how do I do it? I show off. That's, that's what he said. Did you not see that? As a result, can you show others the goodness of God? For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. I show off what it means to be his. I show others. That's what I'm to be known for. It doesn't mean I'm a fuddy-duddy. It, it doesn't mean I don't have fun in life. It doesn't mean my life is boring or dull. But it means it should be okay that when people first think of me, they think, you know what, I don't know a whole lot about him, but he's one of those who follow Jesus, and I think he takes it seriously. So the question is, are you... Illustrating that in your corner of the world? Or are you most known for something else? One side thing. This is more than wearing a Christian t-shirt or putting a fish on, on your bumper. Does anybody else not like loud talkers on the phone in public places? I mean, that's one of my pet peeves. So I was in the bookstore the, uh, just a couple days ago. There was this person who apparently did not realize he had stepped out of his car into um, a public place. Must let's say bookstore, book equals quiet. Um, and so this was a conversation. Uh, yeah, we just got a new car, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting one of them Jesus fishes to put on the bumper. <laughs> Let me just say to you, that's not what I'm talking about showing off. That's all good and fine. If you're going to have a fish on your car, just act like you and drive like you know Jesus. And if you can wear the T-shirt... And number one, some of them are pretty cheesy. Just think through that in your wardrobe. But secondly, um, <laughs> secondly, live it. Live it. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at missionhillchurch.com. 
Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I'll hear people say, I'm just telling you, I don't wear my religion on, on my sleeve. Good for you. I don't either. I don't even like religion. But your relationship with Jesus should be visible to everybody. Wear it proudly. Sometimes it's hard because sometimes people are jerks. What do you do? You do it anyway. In fact, I want to just read a a few verses because this is God's word. It's way more powerful than anything I have to say. I don't want to say a whole lot about it other than to say this is applicable for our day today. Just listen to it. 1 Peter 2 verse 13. For the Lord's sake, (laughs) in the name of God, respect human authority. Whether the king is is head of state or the officials he's appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. By the way, just a statement in case you don't understand that. Because there's probably some of us in this room that need to hear both things I'm about to say. What what that says is, when Barack Obama was president of this nation, respect the authority that God placed him in. And when Donald Trump was president of this nation, is president of this nation, respect the authority that God has placed him in. And, And then he goes on to say, it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. In other words, if you are the born again ones, if you are living in a living hope, the way you act about this kind of stuff should be a testimony. I'm telling you, some of you need to to delete Facebook. Don't just unfriend me, delete Facebook. Okay. (laughs) 17. Notice what it says, verse 17. So respect everyone. Love your Christians, brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. So wouldn't that be great? Maybe you just need to put this on your Facebook. Dear Christian, respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God. Respect the king. So what is he saying? Remember, some people can be jerks, but hold on to this truth. My spiritual maturity is never dependent upon the attitudes and actions of another person. Stop blaming other people. My spiritual maturity, my growth is not dependent upon you or anyone else. I had a teachable moment with my pack. I got the pack together this week, so I got to make the most of it. So we were in the car and I got a little frustrated because I'm blessed. And I have one of those cars that you can just set the thermostat on a temperature and it stays there. And I like that. But other people drive my car. And they just like the tornado blowing on them. And so sometime I get in my car and anyway. So we were all together and I said, all right, everybody be quiet. Do y'all know what a thermometer is? Yes, dad. What's a thermometer? A thermometer records the temperature. It, It tells you what the temperature is. Right. You're right. Okay. Do you know what a thermostat is? Yeah, Dad, it's it's the thing that controls the temperature. That's right. And I said, both of our cars have this amazing thing. It's a thermostat. You can put in the temperature you want, and it stays there all the time. It's amazing. 
Like, whatever, Dad. You know what I recognized in the faith journey we're on? Some of us are just thermometers. We just look, look like whatever crowd we are, we're around. Our, our temperature, what we are. I mean, if I'm with the church crowd, then I'm, I'm hot for Jesus. If I'm with the Saturday night crowd, I'm, I might not be. See, what Peter's saying is you're to be a thermostat to allow the Holy Spirit of God that's dwelling in you because you've been born again. You're to control the environment for, for your good and for his glory. All right? Well, so determine to grow through what you go through. Well, the problem is sometime life is just hard. <laughs> it stinks. Man, I have to tell you, my brother and I, my brother's one of my very best friends. He's nine years older than me. He's a pastor. And we pray for each other and pray for each other's family. And, and we were just talking this week, two pastors for a lot of years. He said, yeah, I, I, just, I keep praying, even though there are some things on my list that I just want to say, all right, God, can you not hear me? Because I, I haven't seen you answer this the way I feel like it needs to be answered. And, and you know what he's talking about? He's, he's talking about those storms, those trials, the suffering we face on this side of heaven. Because of sin in the world, the brokenness, the pain, the difficulty. So the third thing I want you to understand is spiritual growth is essential because it helps us navigate those challenging times. When I work the muscles of my faith and I grow spiritually, I gain the ability to make it through the inevitable tough times in life. You're going to have those days where your bank account is low. You're going to have those times when your marriage is difficult or God forbid, but it ends. You're going to have those days where you face tragedy or death or get the call from the doctor. You're going to have those days where your work is just frustrating and maybe even dehumanizing. How do you get through? Well, I, I would just want to tell you quickly what I told you last week. Remember, trials are a definite part of life. <laughs> I wish I could say, hey, follow these three practical steps and you'll never have a tough, bad day. It just doesn't work that way. And they're difficult, aren't they? Trials are difficult. That's why they're called trials. They're hard. And they're different for everyone. So it doesn't do you any good to cry out to God, God, you're not fair. What about old so-and-so over there? They don't have it as bad as I do. Probably right. They're different. But when we let them, they develop our faith. They grow us into that image of Christ. And thank you, Jesus, they don't last forever. Any trial you face is temporary. The only thing, the only thing that could have hurt you forever has been taken care of by Jesus on the cross of Calvary and all you have to do is trust him. So let your trials direct you to Jesus. So in light of that, I want to read this last passage and just give you a thought before I pray with you. So, verse 21, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. <clears throat> Hold on, I must have misread that. Let me try that again. For God called you to do good, even, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you. He's your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. 
He did not retaliate when he was insulted. He did not threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. When I read this, it, it, it forces me to think different about suffering. I have to recognize that my most difficult moments may actually be my best opportunity to identify with Jesus, at least on this side of heaven. That's why Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I want to know Christ, but he doesn't stop there. You know what he says next? I want to fellowship with his Suffering is not, it's not being a sicko, not saying, boy, I just want to go through a tough time. No. But it's saying when you go through difficulty, look for Jesus. He gets it. He, he really does. There, there's nothing that you face that, that he doesn't understand. So Christ follower, choose to follow Jesus. Don't waste the seasons of suffering. Maybe you just need to pray this if, if you're going through that time right now. God, this stinks, but help me to get everything I'm supposed to get out of this heavenly classroom. And then trust the power of the gospel. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He, he says, here he was on the cross. And he didn't retaliate, though he could have. You've got to believe that. If we believe he's God, he could have done anything. He could have twinkled his nose like the lady on Bewitched and changed everybody into frogs or something. I mean, he could have done anything he wanted to on that cross. But he didn't. He didn't even say an unkind word. But it says he left it in the hands of God. Maybe today you just got to decide, what do I just need to leave in the hands of God? Wherever you are, the message of chapter 2 is simple. Determine today to grow through whatever you go through. And when you do, it will be for your good and the glory of God. But before I pray with you, I need you to be aware of something. And God, Peter's going to tell us this. In 2 Peter it says, he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. For the Christ follower, as you follow Jesus, you've got everything you need. But, hear me, these suffering times that I mentioned, they're not for Christ followers alone. Everybody on this planet is going to, we're going to walk through those difficulties. So, so know this, you can't follow Jesus through the suffering if you haven't first trusted him for salvation. So please, 
please, if you haven't taken that step, why not today? Did you bow your heads with me? And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, Christ follower, I, I would just challenge you today, right now in this moment, um, maybe there's some business you need to do. Maybe there's some things you need to say no to. I, I know in my life, as I was reviewing this passage, even this morning, I just felt convicted. There's some things I need to say no to so that I might experience a better yes. Uh, how about this? Uh, are you living as if your identity is in Christ? Are there some challenges and changes you need to make just to be better identified with Him? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910.